friend, welcome to Brilliant Business Moms, a podcast all about helping brilliant women just like you to build a business on the side while spending time with their families. I'm your host, Beth Ann Schwamberger, and we're going to have a great time together. Let's get started. So today on the show, I'm chatting with Maria Dismondi. She's a self-published children's book author who has sold close to 300,000 books. I know, kind of crazy, right? She's done this while working at home with three young kids, and she's grown her business by finding pretty unique ways to market her books and has then taken that one step further to create her own publishing company. So I know there are a lot of you out there who are wanting to self-publish books or market your books better and sell more, so I know we're going to learn a ton from Maria today. Welcome to the show, Maria. Thanks for having me. So Maria, I'd love to hear more about how you got into writing and how you decided on your niche of children's books and specifically books that are just really help kids to to handle life well and, and learn life lessons. Absolutely. So I was a teacher for over a decade and that's what I did right after college. And in the classroom, oftentimes I would use children's literature to teach indirect lessons to the students. So if there was a lot of teasing going on in the classroom or a lack of community, I would try to find a children's picture book that really supported talking about communities to lead us into a discussion. Because a lot of times with younger children, if you tell them what to do, they're not going to listen. But if you show them an example and you talk about it in an indirect way, it's it's a much more effective way to teach young children. I had a really hard time finding books about real life characters, kids who had the courage to be themselves in the face of difficult situations. And I thought that was kind of frustrating. I found books with teddy bears and talking dinosaurs, but I thought, why don't we have a lot of books about bullying and teasing and self-esteem that have characters of you know different cultures and characters of different disabilities and just different socioeconomic backgrounds like that represent our real United States. So I wrote a book and I decided, well, if it's not out there, I'm going to write it. And that was my first book, Spaghetti in a Hot Dog Bun. And I was working at the time and then we got pregnant, had our first baby, and I didn't wanna go back full time. So I went back to work part-time as a teacher But my book sales started increasing and my speaking engagement started increasing. So I ended up actually leaving teaching altogether. I resigned in 2011 and I've been doing this ever since. Basically, this is the tricky part. (laughs) From home, but when I'm speaking engagements, I'm outside of the home. So I don't really know what to call myself. I'm a work from home slash work out of the home mom (laughs) part-time. That totally works. Yeah. You know what? It's... It's just all about growing a business that works with you and your family. So Exactly. It's hard to define it because my whole life, well, for like 12 years, I was defined as a first grade teacher and a reading specialist. And you go by that definition and then it changes drastically. And so I, I have a hard time understanding, you know, exactly how to define that. Right. So Maria, you have sold a lot of books and it sounds like your book sales started coming in pretty quickly when you published your very first children's book. Can you talk to us about how you make those book sales? How are you marketing your books? How do people find out about them? Yeah, so they actually didn't start coming 
right after the book published. It took a couple of years until the book sales really picked up. And I must say that I hit over 300,000 since I've emailed you a couple of months ago. So that's exciting for a, wow, you know, a very, thank you for a very small business. But a lot of my marketing, I consider grassroots marketing. So I do a lot of free marketing on social media. And what I really focus on, Bethany, I'm not trying to sell my books, but I'm trying to give valuable information and content to my target market. So the thing that is kind of tricky is I, I write children's picture books, but my target market really isn't children because they're not the ones purchasing my books. It's caregivers and teachers and parents. So that's the target market that I'm reaching for. And I'm just trying to build community and build this network of people who believe in, you know, empowering children with with wonderful messages early on so that they can make a difference in the world and they can feel like, you know, they have valuable tools when they have difficult situations. So that's really my biggest focus on marketing is not so much, hey, guys, I have a book. It's 1095. You can buy it on Amazon. I don't know if I ever say that, but it's, hey, guys, did you know that these seven soft skills are super important to teaching children before the age of seven? Let me tell you why. Let me share with you the research. So I'm trying to make this information easily accessible for families and for teachers so that they can actually do something with it versus feeling very defeated and, oh my goodness, how do we raise children in today's society? It's just so hard. There's so many barriers. I'm trying to make parenting you know, good parenting and positive parenting tools more available for families. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Now I'm curious, do you get more sales from parents or do you get more sales from teachers who say, I really want to have these books in my classroom? So it's really hard to go back and actually see where the sales are actually coming from for consumers as far as like, you know, my numbers with Barnes and Nobles and all the booksellers and Amazon. But I will tell you that the majority of my followers on social media are teachers. And I know that my books are part of curriculum. So school districts have actually, you know, written curriculum and written lesson plans based on my books. So I do know that they are popular in the school systems. Okay, fabulous. So I'm curious about that angle too. I know that you speak in schools and then that's incredibly cool to have schools writing curriculum and lesson plans around your books. How did you make all of that happen? Well, what I did at the very beginning, because I had the background as a teacher, I knew the prices we were paying for authors to come in and I knew what teachers wanted in those presentations. So at the beginning, that first year that I published my book, I, I was just offering my services for free and doing school visits. And then I started charging a very small fee and it really started word of mouth. Like that is the biggest marketing strategy that is used with my speaking engagements is school saying, we had Maria, we liked the information. She was really good and age appropriate with the kids. So what I ha have done in the last probably like five years is I really focus on my relationship with the people at the school who are booking me. And, you know, I send a personalized note and thank you so much for, you know, having me and what can I do to help you afterwards and asking them, you know, if you were happy with my speaking engagement, would you share share it with three colleagues of yours. So I have focused on that end and that's really helped. And, you know, other than that, I don't do advertising for my speaking engagements. I, well, about a year ago, I had a video made where I invited five 
contacts from speaking engagements. So they're either principals or media specialists at schools. I said, would you come to Barnes and Nobles on this day and time? We'd love to interview you and to give a video testimonial of my services. And I gave everyone like a gift card and made it worth their time. And so that video has gotten a ton of hits. And that's been very helpful for booking speaking engagements because educators and, you know, staff administrators look at it and say, oh, okay, so this is what she's doing. It has feed video footage of me actually speaking and presenting to kids. So that's been really powerful. I I love your approach there, Maria, where first of all, you offered your services for free, which is hard to do, but that's (laughs) one of the best ways to get yourself in the door. And then from there, you blew the schools away and you built great relationships. And so now you've got that stream of places where you can speak and a, a stream of potential customers too. Yeah. And that's really local because I have three young children and I have a lot of boundaries for my time right now. And I'm not willing to travel for work. I I am open to giving estimates for schools, but you know, I have actually accepted two speaking engagements in Florida because they were in driving distance to Disney World. (laughs) So it worked out for my family, but I do offer virtual visits as well. So for schools who I've done a lot in California and New York, For schools who can't afford in their budget to fly me out there or I just deny the job because it's too much of my time and I don't want to be away from the family, I offer virtual visits and those have really been gaining popularity. And that's done via a video program. That is so smart. I love that idea. Well, thank you. And I get to do it in my kitchen and, you know, in my cozy clothes. And (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the best part. So, and I know I keep talking about the book sales. I'm just like so blown away (laughs) by the volume of books that you've sold. Oh, it's flattering. Thank you. (laughs) Have you noticed that showing up on the, for the right keywords in Amazon search and things of that nature, has that played a big role in people also finding you online and purchasing your books? That's a really good question. And I have never paid for Google ad words. But what I have done, I started off blogging in 2011 and I had just had our second child or we had just had our second child. And I was just really passionate about writing at the time. I was blogging five days a week and my target market there was parents and teachers. I mean, and the content was so good. I thought, gosh, where was I coming up with this stuff? I had just had a second baby. I was exhausted. And so since then, I've gone down to posting two times a week. But even though other social media platforms have picked up, I have remained consistent with my blogging and I show up with SEO based on my blogging and all the keywords that I use. And I'm not very intentional when I'm writing. I'm not saying I must use these keywords in this blog post in order to show up on you know Google and the first page with keywords. I'm just organically writing and that has happened because I've had so many blog posts it's really popped up on Google. So that's helped me a lot. That makes a lot of sense. And seriously, you deserve a major high five for being so consistent (laughs) with blogging. I mean, that is a lot of work. That's a lot of time that you've put in over the past five years. It is. And anyone listening, 
even though blogging seems as though it's it's not as popular now, I still recommend it because even if you're doing it once a week, it is getting traction out there in internet space. And that is really huge. So if someone searches, you know, children's book about bullying and there's just certain keywords that my name is popping up without paying for advertising. Yeah, exactly. So Maria, I know you're not only a successful author, but you've also founded a publishing company as well. So when did you decide to add that to your business and how did you get that publishing company off the ground? It was about two years ago, I was approached after a television interview by a publicist of an NFL player, and she said that her client was interested in writing a children's book. So we set up a meeting, and the rest was history. Stephen Tullock and I co-wrote The Little Linebacker that was released this year, an amazing story about growth mindset and a little boy who is so determined to be in the NFL and the odds are against him. So... I couldn't self-publish the book per se because it wasn't just me on the title of the book. And so I actually had hired a business coach last year, which is out of my character because I'm kind of frugal when it comes to those things. And she was phenomenal. And she actually predicted that before it happened. She said, you know... Everything you say, what you like about the business, I think you should start a boutique publishing company, like a specific niche. Like, I'm not saying you're going to publish anyone's work. This is like high profile clients. And I was like, I don't know. That sounds like really scary and a little too big for this, you know, work from home mom. So I kind of tucked it in the back of my head and then everything kind of transpired from there and I got this client and the book came out. I have an amazing graphic designer, Maggie Spurgeon. She whipped together the logo and I gave it to my web designer who then created the website in a matter of six weeks, cardinalrulepress.com. And it really came together quickly and it wasn't strategically planned out. Some of the best business ventures, I'm telling you, it's like they, you just get a light bulb moment or sometimes they even kind of fall into your lap. Like it sounds like in some ways this did with this, you know, the publicist approaching you. So that's really neat. You know, in checking out your website, Cardinal Rule Press for your publishing company, I noticed that the way you publish children's books and the the way you partner with authors is very different from a traditional publisher. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about your unique business model there and why it can be a win-win for the author and your publishing company. Absolutely. So after publishing my own books and gaining success, I started getting a lot of calls from people, emails from people. Do you offer coaching and consulting services? And so I did. I started, you know, coaching people on how to self-publish. I got so many traditionally published authors who were calling me saying, we want to go to the other side. You know, we want to work as we want to self-publish. And I thought to myself, well, why? I think it's really cool that you're traditionally published. That's something that I've never experienced. I did work with a publisher, but it wasn't a big traditional publishing house way back in the day. And they just said to me, you know, it's a really big industry. And unless you have a huge name, sales are really hard. You're, you know, the publicist that's working for you, there's not a lot of communication. So there was a lot of negativity when I was working with these clients on their experiences. 
And there was a negativity about their payment and their income and how much money they were making from this. And so what I was really inspired to do is to show people that, well, if you do work really hard and you hustle and you self-publish, the margins are much larger and the income and revenue that you're going to bring back is going to be a lot higher than working traditionally. So there is, it's like both sides have pros and cons. So when I went to set up my business model, I really wanted to one, work with people who have already established a platform because I need to be honest and tell people, you know, if Sally wanted to write a book about her grandmother as like a memoir, that's awesome. But unless Sally wants to work really, really hard, that book is not going to sell. And it's not just, you know, telling your friends and family to buy your book. This is like building a brand and building a following. So one of the parts of my business model was I am working with people who already have a brand, already have a following of people because their chances of success are much higher because they have that community already established. And secondly, a big part of my business model was I am going to work with people who have stories to share that are empowering for children. So I, you know, I have a team of editors and copywriters and we review books and submissions that come in. And if it doesn't align with our mission and our vision of the company, then that's not a project we're going to work on. Okay. I love that you guys have stayed focused and, you know, that's your niche and that's where you have expertise as well in terms of helping these authors to get sales. Yes. And I do want to say that in the industry, the type of publishing house that I have created is called a hybrid publishing company. So what that means is the author who is coming to the publisher is putting forth investment in the project. And so they may put forth ten to fifteen to twenty thousand dollars into the creation of the project, but again, they're making back that money so much faster and through the sales because they're getting a large, like over ninety percent of each book sales, as compared to an eight to twelve percent royalty from a traditional publisher. Wow! Yeah, that is a huge difference. I cannot imagine putting so much work into a book and only getting 8 to 12% of the sales. Yes, and there is also an advance that you usually receive that's anywhere between 2 to $8,000 if you're a first-time author. 8 is like on the high end. But yeah, it, it really is a, an interesting industry. And But not to say I would never like the, I, I would love the experience to work with a traditional publishing house. I'm sure I could learn a ton from working with someone on the other side, as they say. <laughs> But it is quite different. It definitely is. Right. That actually brings me to my next question because I know a lot of people just in the general public have a lot of doubts around self-publishing and they maybe feel like it's not as legitimate. You're not as, you're not a real author because some publisher didn't pick up your book and you don't have an agent and all of those things. So how do you combat the naysayers? Yeah, this stigma has really improved in the last seven years since the self-publishing revolution, they say, occurred about seven years ago where more and more people began self-publishing. So it's not as bad as it was about seven to 10 years ago. But in my mindset, because I have had those naysayers, in my mindset, my book sales just proves that it doesn't matter. Like if you're going to compare apples to apples, I am an author. I've written a book and the book has sold over 300,000 copies. And it's bringing to me 
a significant income to our family and more than I made with a college master's in education. So yeah, which is crazy because I work two to three hours a day compared to long, long days as a teacher. So that's really, and I don't say that to naysayers because I'm, you know, I'm a woman of integrity and I'm not going to, I don't talk money like that to naysayers, but I just, you know, say that I do have eight children's books that are making a difference in the lives of children and the way that they're getting into the hands of children may be different than the way someone else may have done it. But I'm pretty proud about the difference that those messages are making in the world. That's what I say. (laughs) Right. I love that. But you're right. Having that in the back of your mind where you're just saying, you know what? The sales do speak for themselves. I still remember last year when Holden's, my son, his pre-K teacher said, well, maybe now that Holden's in school, you can go get a real job. Oh, (laughs) jeez. I was was an online business owner and she, she also knew that I used to be a nurse. And so her thinking was like, oh, well, now you could go back to nursing. You could go get a real job. But I'm sitting here, Maria, thinking just the same as you that, man, I made way less as a nurse and worked way more hours. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. You just, you smile and nod and you're <laughs> confident about how you can help people make a difference. And then of course, you and I know the truth. The truth <laughs> behind. <laughs> So Maria, I'd love to hear more about what a a typical day looks like for you. I know you said you're working way less hours. You have time with your kids as well. So walk us through kind of your schedule of work and family life. Okay. So I go to bed usually around nine or 10 and I read before bed. That's very relaxing to me and it brings me joy. And so I'm usually awake by 536 Those are like my wake up times. And then I make a cup of coffee and I get to work. So for example, this morning I was up at 5.30 and the children did not wake up or the husband until 7.30. So that's two full hours of work that I got in. And I have become very focused in my work. So the night before I have a plan of my top three, I have my to-do list. And so when I sit down, I'm not checking Facebook at 5.30 in the morning. I am just, I'm just working on that list. Um, so I really try not to get sucked into social media or even emails. I'm not answering emails at 5.30 in the morning. So those first couple hours of the day are super focused. And then my children wake up and I have three kids, ages seven, five, and three. So they're my focus and the computer is put away. That's really big for me. Like I put the computer away, make them breakfast, get them off to school. I have one in school full time, one who is half days, and then one who is home with me full time. And so that's basically the day. And then after lunch, the kids, the two little ones around one o'clock, they go down for naps. And my five-year-old tends to fall asleep. I don't really want her to anymore, but she'll tend to fall asleep or she'll have quiet time for about an hour and a half and she'll play in her room. And then I get some emails checked during that time, or I might do something like this, an interview, or I might do something like a virtual visit. And then after we get my other daughter from home from school, you know, we have the after school playtime and making dinner and That's really my day. My husband works in commercial real estate, so he has a couple times a month that he has to entertain clients and take people around to see different projects. And on the evenings that he is working, I will put the kids to bed by eight o'clock and then I will sit down and work for two to three hours until he gets home. So I really try to, to use time that he's not home to work. 
so that when he is home, I can spend time with him. Then if I'm working outside of the home, I'm usually working from about eight until one in the afternoon and my mom is here to to be with the little ones. So that's exciting that I have that option in our life. And I also work out, so <laughs> I don't do I don't wake up and work every single morning. There's two mornings a week that I'll work out, and then I try to exercise with my children. So we'll do like a long bike ride together, or my son who's three, he loves going to the train tracks to see the choo-choo train, and that's a four-mile run there and back for me. <laughs> so I try to incorporate the exercise as a part of our day if I can't get it done early in the morning. And if my workload is light that week, I might wake up at six and work out instead of, you know, and then maybe just get an hour of work in. So my work days are about three hours on average. I love that. And sounds like that early morning time is just really crucial for you. And I know a lot of of moms who do that as well. They wake up early, they get to work, and it's amazing. (laughs) It is. And I'm clear and I'm focused. And if I try to get that sort of work done in the afternoon or in the evening, it just doesn't look the same. Right. Definitely. Well, Maria, it has been so much fun chatting with you. As we wrap up the show, we always love to ask our guests this question. Do you have either a funny or adorable mom moment that you could share with us? I do. And I think it might be funny and adorable. How's that for you? <laughs> so I had I had ordered these calendars for my corporate clients. So all the vendors I work with. And again, I told you it's really important to me to, to build those relationships with people I work with. So I ordered a hundred of these calendars and they were really cute. And I had to package them all separately and ship them out the week before Christmas. So I was at the post office with my two youngest, my three and five-year-old. And the line was so long out the door and we were up at the counter and my son is touching my face and telling me he loves me. And it is like you could hear a pin drop. There was crickets, you know, it was crickets in there. And everybody looked sad and grumpy and impatient. And it just was a really sad feeling in the post office. And as we were walking out, my three-year-old looked at the line of people and said, Happy Halloween, everyone. (laughs) And people were laughing and smiling and, oh, he's so cute. And I thought, oh, this is what our world needs is just a little bit of laughter during these like stressful holiday moments where we should be celebrating and... It, it was it was really cute. So I'm glad that he could liven things up as I sent out about 60 packages. The people were like glaring at me because I was the woman at the front of the line with about 60 packages. Oh, no. <laughs> I do. I do love it. It's he, he touches my face a lot. My girls never did that. But my son, like, he'll touch my face real gently when he tells me he loves me. And I just think it's such an endearing little move. That is. That's really cute. Well, Maria, thank you so much for um, sharing with me today all about your your business and your success as an author. I'd love for you to let everybody know just where's the best place that they can find you online. Yeah, well, I have my different websites, which I'm sure you'll link to, but Instagram is my favorite social media outlet because I love photography. And my handle over there is Maria Desmondi Books. Wonderful. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me and helping me spread my message. And of course, now it's your turn to head out there and be brilliant. 